The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12. Amen. Father, so much there that we want to meditate on. We want to just, I don't know, <laughs> ruminate. I don't know what word I want there, Father, but just the idea from Psalm 8, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You know, who are we? that you would do this, and that we are set free in you, and you know, this is what you've said. We're no longer ser- uh, slaves. We're friends. We're no longer bound by sin. We're set free from its, from its uh, penalty, from its power, from its presence someday in our life. And uh, we just thank you for that, Lord, and we want to uh, celebrate that. We want to worship you. We want to glorify you in that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And we will, in a couple minutes, i got a couple things here first, but we are getting to, do you like sunshine? You need, you need that today a little bit, uh, the sunshine? We're, yeah, I, you know, I get up here sometimes, I complain about the weather. I got to say, this has been a pretty good winter for us. We've actually seen the sun somewhere in Michiana, and uh, I don't know who we clap for, the weatherman, you know, God, I, I, don't, I don't know like that, but it, it has been pretty nice that we've enjoyed it. However, today we're gonna, looking at Joshua chapter 10. There is a major miracle in Joshua chapter 10. Anybody remember what happened? Major miracle involving the sun. It stopped, stood still. That's right. The, uh, the, the uh, little subtitle over Joshua chapter 10 says, Sun Stand Still. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at in a few minutes. I'm pretty pumped. Uh, it's, it's been a really good sermon for me this week. I, like, I needed to preach to myself over and over again. So I'm asking the Lord to use that in your lives too. Before we do that, though, where Pastor Josh must have had a rough day yesterday. It was the conclusion of Upward. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was here from, you know, for, um, I think somewhere around 28 hours yesterday or something like that, but he seemed a little tired. He forgot to tell you yesterday was the conclusion of Upward. It was a great year. Uh, they did a great job with that, and we were able to, yesterday to have a fella named Mike Kazam or something like that. I don't know what it was. We did a magic show with the gospel, and we had, for the first service, we had over 300 people in here, probably close to 350, and the second one, yeah, and it was hot. Uh, for the second one, uh, you know, over 200, so we, we just had a great time yesterday of wrapping up Upward, but appreciate all those who served in that, and I wanted to mention that. I also want to mention one other thing, announcement-wise. Um, w- there will be a, I guess, a little revival or rekindling of a program called Release Time Bible Class coming up here at the end of the month. Uh, it is, we're, we're going to, Pastor Josh and I are going to work with it. It is not going to be held here. It's going to be in the field house over here in Edwardsburg. Uh, but it's just going to start up this year just for junior and senior high. We'll talk about things in the future. I wanted to mention that, though. If there's anybody that, you know, you could be free, it is on the 28th of March this year. You'd like to help, like, serve the kids that come in for lunch or just out by being there, perhaps even leading a small group of teenagers. Uh, actually, Pastor James, who led that for, here for us many years, is going to uh, lead the first session of that over there and work with that. So if I wanted to mention that coming up. We didn't get an announcement on it because this really got the details at the end of the week, but wanted to mention that in case you're like, ah, I could plug into that. That'd, that'd be a good thing. So that's coming up on the 28th of March. Then, uh, I think many of you are aware that uh, each week, hopefully you're aware, each week as we get to come in here, and worship the Lord together, uh, and uh, and I get to preach. 
uh, there are folks ministering down this hallway behind me uh, to the kids and worshiping down there. There's probably a team of, I'm guessing, 15 or 20 people down there each week that are ministering and, and helping the kids. Uh, and, uh, you know, greatly appreciate them. Most of them serve once a month, uh, some of them uh, more often than that, as far as helping with the kids in little... Uh, you know, groups that they break into down there and, and just in teaching them the Word of God and worshiping with them. Uh, so, and one of those folks that serves each week, I, we wanted to just to share a little bit of what, about what that is like to serve down there and how that has impacted her life. So I've asked Megan to come up. And uh, do I have this on, guys? Oh, good. And uh, share with us. There you go. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I have volunteered in Children's Church for almost 10 years now, and I started out selfishly in the nursery because I wanted to be closer to my daughter, and then again, my sons a few years later. Um, but over the past 10 years, I've kind of volunteered in every single classroom in every capacity in that hallway. And I just want to share with you what it's done to my heart and what it's done to my faith. Um, I'm a teacher Monday through Friday, so that's my talent. That's my God-given talent. And what better way to share my talent than, but to do it on Sundays as well. Um, these kids down this hallway will be the leaders of our church one day, and it's up to us to be the role models for those kids. So um, what's so important to my heart is that I don't know everything. <laughs> I don't know the Bible front and backwards, and I don't have verses memorized, but what I have noticed is that by being in that hallway monthly, they're teaching me. I'm growing closer to God, and I'm growing closer into the Word, and I'm learning it in a more practical, easy way. Um, so I encourage you, if you um, have children, or even if you don't have children, to dedicate some time um, in those classrooms. Your heart will be touched. You will grow closer to God, and um, you will know the word better. So just wanted to share that with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And um, Marissa's not in here today, but Marissa Miscavish leads our children's department. I always think of, there's a verse that talks about the idea that we are to equip folks for the work of the ministry. Whenever I hear that verse, I think of Marissa. She does a great job of getting everybody the supplies that they need to teach down there and get them ready and get them set up. She is ultra organized. So we work so well together from that standpoint, because that's just my calling too, is to get somebody around me who's organized. Uh, but uh, we, we can do that. So, okay, you ready for, uh, where are we? What we say? Joshua 10? I should have put it on a slide so you knew where we were going. We're going to uh, read through that a little bit and look at some different questions with that. We're actually uh, going to stop uh, our series in Joshua after next week. We're going to do one more week in Joshua. Then we got kind of, oh, Pastor Josh is going to preach a week, and then we got the holiday season here. We got a little Palm Sunday, a little Easter, and then we're going to go into the, uh, we're going to start with the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to do some of the teachings of Jesus as we move into the spring there. But, so I got a lot to say today. You ready? Fasten the seatbelt. And, uh, and get going here in Joshua chapter 10. I'm going to go ahead and begin by reading the first few verses as we get into that today. So in Joshua chapter 10, verse number 1, and as soon as Adonai Zedek, how do you like that? Adonai Zedek. Oh, that sounded better. 
You like that? Adonai's edict. Uh, King of Jerusalem heard how Joshua had captured Ai. Now, we'll have to review that story in a second here. And had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he has done to Jericho and its king. And how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. Hold on a second. Let's review our story here for a second. We had Jericho. Most of Joshua went to Jericho. You know that. We could all sing that together. Uh, and then, remember, Israel went up to Ai. First of all, suffered a defeat because they figured they didn't need God. Uh, but then they backed up uh, or got things right, uh, started following God, and saw victory there at Ai. They've won a couple of battles, very impressive battles. So the people of Gibeon, which, were, which was at that time a very mighty city, a very mighty empire. They weren't weak. They weren't wimpy. But they were smart. They knew they couldn't beat God. I love that about them. I actually like the Gibeonites, even though they're sneaky fellas. Uh, they knew they didn't have a chance to be God, and they said, if we can't beat them, we'll join them. So they did a little trickery, and they got Israel to make a covenant with them or make a little peace treaty with them so that uh, Israel would not destroy them. They knew they weren't going to win, so they joined with them. So here's what happens to Gibeon. The inhabitants of Gideon had made peace with Israel and were among them, and he feared greatly. Okay, this is the king elsewhere. He feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city. Now they have an alliance with Israel. One of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors, and they've made peace. So this guy, how do I say that? Adonai Zedek. Oh, sounds like I know what I'm doing. King of Jerusalem sent to Holom, king of Hebron, and Pyram, king of Jarmuth, and Japhia, king of Lachish, I actually do practice these, and I have a hard time. And Deborah, king of Eglon, and said, come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. So he says, hey, we got a little problem here. They've joined with Israel. We need to get together. We need to form a little alliance here, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, uh, Eglon gathered their forces, and they went up with all their armies, and they encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. Okay? Now, hopefully you've caught up, even if you weren't here last week, the Gibeonites were these guys. They had tricked Israel. They, they, had, they had said, oh, we came from a far country. They got the old clothes, old moldy cheese. They said, hey, we've come a long way. We're not from around here. We want to make peace. We've heard of your God. We want to make peace. Israel did not stop and talk to God about it. They said, okay, we'll make peace with you. So they've made a covenant with them, with the Gibeonites. And now people have heard this about the Gibeonites, so they are going to attack the Gibeonites. Okay, I want us to uh, look at a few questions as we go through the story, and we're going to read a little bit more in a minute here. But the first question is this, are you prepared in your life for opposition? The reason I say that is, as I watch the Gibeonites, and they have made peace with the people of God, and now they're living among them. We just read that. They're part of that. And last week, we looked a little further, and we said for hundreds of years, they served there in the temple, and they even fought alongside Israel in, in, in many cases. They became connected with the people of God. Here's what I want you to remember. Whenever you set out to be connected to God and His people, you're going to face opposition. Guarantee. Okay, whenever you set out to connect more with God, you've made that resolution, I'm going to be more faithful to church. What happens? Kids are sick the next Sunday. I mean, honestly, you know, or the car breaks down or uh, whatever happens or it snows or you decide, you know, hey, I was going to do this, but something set me back. And I wanted to share something of kind of personal nature, and I hope this isn't like, you know, pat myself on the back. Let me tell you about my personal devotions. Uh, I don't want to do that. But I have mentioned before that 
Staying faithful to God in daily devotional walk has been a up and down struggle for me. I've been a Christian now for close to 50 years, and it has been had many ups and downs. Now, I have always been in a position where it was my job to study the Word of God, so I did spend some time in the Word of God, but I really try to make sure that the only time I spend with God is not in preparation for church, if, if that makes some sense. And I've shared with you, even during my time here, that has continued to be, I don't know how to say it, it's, it's continued to be a struggle. So when I started this year, I've been last year we went through this book, Jesus Day by Day, and we made some of those ava- available. When I started this year, uh, it has you reading you know, three to five chapters a day, usually like that, and you read through the Bible in the year, uh, and it, it guys like that. I had missed some days last year. Now, I always went back and caught up, but I'd missed quite a few days. Yeah, I probably missed three or four days a month, to be honest with you, and I'd go back and catch up. So one of my New Year's resolutions was, I'm going to do better about that. I'm going to uh, not miss any more days. And this is, this is my journal. My daughter gave me this. It has little pictures of the grandkids. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll show it to you later. Uh, but they're, they're real cute. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I, have, uh, I have these two books, you know, they're in my car. Ask me how I'm doing this year. Go ahead and ask me, Jen. Well, better. Thank you. I have missed a few days. I had to go back and catch up a few days. So I'm just saying, I still... And I, I, I'm saying that again, not, not, I just want to try to keep it as real as possible. I, you know, I went to Bible college for five years, had three guys in my room every time they were studying for the ministry. I knew one guy that was consistent about walking with God, devotional life. And I, my experience is over the years, this is a struggle for a lot of people. We talk about that. We want to. I want to be a person of the Word. I want to be somebody who's praying and talking to God. And we set out to do it. And I've mentioned before, one thing that's been very helpful to me, is not beating myself up when I mess up, but just say, okay, I can go back and catch up or, or whatever like that, or not say, I think I failed again, I might as well give up, uh, like that, and I make sure I don't do that. But I just want to say, when we set out to connect with God and his people, it's going to be a struggle. Get ready for it. There's going to be opposition. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to plug in. I wanted to come to that. I wanted to come and, and minister to the ladies in the spa ministry and come to stuff like that. But there was something that came up. When you set out to connect with God and his people, you will face opposition. Just get ready for it. It is going to come. But let, we'll see what the Gibeonites do about it later, and that would be cool. But let me ask another question while we're here or give you another question. I wanted you to be equipped with this question, what is God up to? Okay, for Israel, we often see through the story that things go from bad to worse. Okay, we're going to take on Ai, that was a wimpy little city, we beat them. Now, because we've made this little uh, connection here with the Gibeonites, now we got these five kingdoms uniting together. Great, we have an alliance of kingdoms. They're all getting together to fight us. Things often step from bad to worse. And our tendency is to always ask the question, God, why me? Or what's going on with that? And I want to kind of throw this other question at you just to help us. If we could take this question instead, like, God, what are you up to? And kind of that tone. God, what are you up to? Because you're going to do something here. What we have learned in this journey of the people of Israel is this. God keeps using their mess-ups and their mistakes. And God keeps using their hard times in their life over and over again. Okay? So they forgot to... Forgot to. They ignored God. They didn't take his counsel. They headed up into AI. They take a whopping defeat. And remember last week, God took that defeat and said, hey, we're going to use that. Remember how you went up there and you had to run from them? Well, we're going to do that again. We're going to go up there and we're going to pretend like we're running from them and suck them out. And then we're going to surround them. We're going to use your mess up. 
Okay, And God does continues to do that over and over again. Again, he is a redeeming God. He takes our failures, uh, and he says, you know what? Your failure is never final. And your sin did not end the story there. Now, God doesn't take sin lightly, but what God takes very seriously is grace. It's not about God you know, saying, oh, sin's no big deal. It's about God saying grace is a big deal. And so often our victories come on the heels of our mess-ups like that. God wants to use these mess-ups in our lives. So sometimes when we're facing the hard times, whether they are something that I've inflicted upon myself or whether it is something that I have nothing to do with, if we could just kind of get a little, get a little smile and just say, what you going to do with this, God? If you could take that question and say, God, what are you up to? What are you going to do? Awesome. Because that is who God is. That is the type of thing he does. And we have seen him work this way in Israel, and we will continue to see him work this way. Now, let's, let's read a little bit more here in our story. The men of Gibeon sent to Joshua. Okay, remember? The, uh, they've aligned against them. There's an alliance against them. So what are they going to do? They sent to Joshua the, at the camp in Gilgal. And we're going to come back and talk about both Joshua and Gilgal in a minute here, but let's read a little bit more. Saying, do not relax your hand from your servants. You made a deal with us. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country, they're gathered against us. So Joshua keeps his word, keeps the covenant. Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of the war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, hey, this time Joshua's getting a little smarter. He's starting to listen to God and talk to God. Uh, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. Another uh, example of kind of a weird little strategy. Let's march all night and get there when we're tired. Uh, But uh, once again, we see that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And oftentimes when we just realize that we need him and God puts us in a position of dependence upon him, we are far better off. So, So Joshua came up upon them, having marched them all night, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Hezekiah and uh, Makeda. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven. Somebody like, you mean it happened to just randomly storm? Well, this was very selective hail. It just hit them. Uh, and there were more who died because of the hailstone than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. So they're fighting as God had told them to do, but it is really God who's the better fighter. He's he's winning more there. Keep that in mind. We fight as God has told us to do. We get ready for the battle, but it's really God who is the better fighter. Another question for you. Where are you going to get help? Okay. Now, I need to rebuke Adam for a second here. He stands up here and he says, sometimes I get in trouble when I go off script. Adam, when one time have I given you a hard time about going off script? After, actually, he went, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Chris. Uh, but, the, uh, but I say that because Adam went off script perfectly today, okay, when he was talking about the army. Okay, that, that was perfect. In fact, we could have gone home. We're not. Stay here. Uh, but we could have gone home because that's really what I want to talk to you about. Watch what Joshua I'm sorry, watch what the Gibeonites do right now. We're in trouble. What do we do? Help. They call for help. And boy, I don't want you to miss this. 
at the very beginning, we talked about the idea that Joshua is one of the characters in the Old Testament that is a type of Christ, or he gives us a picture of Jesus. In fact, Joshua's name, remember we said, is actually Yeshua. You've probably heard Jesus called that if you know any Messianic uh, Christians. I'm sorry, Messianic Jews, those, those who follow Christ. Yeshua is his name. It's the same thing. And he gives us a picture of Christ. What does Joshua do? Uh, I'm sorry. What do the Gibeonites do immediately? They call on Joshua to keep his promise to keep his covenant. Okay, I'm sorry I got excited when I said that because that's what I want you to get a hold of. That's what we're to do too. We are to call on Jesus to keep his promises. So when I look at my life and say, what's going on here? I know that I have a promise from a God who cannot lie. I know that I have several promises from a God who cannot lie. I know that God has promised that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Whoa, what a covenant. I know that he has promised to have all things work together for my good or for good, I'm sorry, to them who love God. Isn't that awesome? I know that even in the midst of difficulty, he says that he will be, be with me always. I know that he says if I confess my sins and, and, uh, and believe on his name, I will never perish. I know that I have eternal life. And I can trust in, these covenant, in this covenant. I can trust in these promises and go forward there. Like, you know, I usually star one thing in my notes like, man, if you get anything, get that idea. When they needed help, they knew where to look. They looked to the one who had made a covenant with them. And he is faithful and just to keep that covenant. Now, going back to, you know, even what Adam was talking about here a little bit, there is also the idea that God puts people in our life to help and help us and strengthen us. You know, when I was younger, so much younger than today, I, I never needed anybody's help, really, in any way. Um, but now, those days are gone. And I'm not so self-assured. I can't remember the rest of the words. But, uh, but learning to call for help is a, is a, is a rough thing for all of us. It, it really is. I was thinking about that this, this week, and this is a goofy illustration. But on Monday, I had to hang some uh, cabinets in the, uh, in the office in there. And I had planned, you know, you're hanging cabinets, you need a little hand. I had planned to ask Josh for help. I had. That's pretty good of me because normally I would have just figured out how to do it on my own. But I thought, I'll ask Josh for help when I get in. Well, I came in, he wasn't here. So I devised a plan. <laughs> I got a, a, a cooler, a thermos that I found upstairs. And then if I set just the right number of reams of paper on top of it, uh, on top of the counter, I could get the counter to the right height and, and attach it. So I'm in there wrestling with this thing, and Curtis happens by. And Curtis says, you want me to help you? What did I say? No, I'm good. So here I am struggling, uh, you know, trying to pull out three sheets of paper to get it the right height and everything like that, stuff like that. And, I, and later on I thought, okay, I just studied this this morning. I just looked at this this morning. Why in the world didn't I say, yes, Curtis, I could use a hand. And why didn't you just force your way in there instead of watching me struggle? I don't know. Uh, but, but, you know, but I think... I think <laughs> but that kind of gives us a picture of where I am in life sometimes, you know, where I'm growing a little bit and learning that sometimes I need some help, and sometimes I, I've got to ask people for some help, but I have a real hard time doing it. I want to take things back. I want to do things by myself all the time. And truth of the matter is, not that I don't like Curtis, but sometimes the help comes from places you do not expect and not where you're planning on getting it, but we're not looking for it. And I want to preach to myself when I say this, not, not to you. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't have anywhere to go to help, for help, as I sometimes think, we're wrong. 
I'm just going to say that. We just need to find that place, be willing to reach out and be willing to ask because God will put people in our lives uh, that, from, for which to help, there to help us. Um, I do have, you know, one, one friend that last couple of weeks I have called him and just said, hey, <laughs> it was a rough time. And, and trust me, you know, I was kind of kidding about the when I was younger, but truth is this is something I'd love to say, hey, I'm really getting on top of this thing. I'm not. You know, I want to struggle with things on my own a lot of times, but God puts help in our lives, and I love, I, I, I really like the Gibeonites. I even like the whole old moldy cheese thing and the fact that they were deceptive. I probably shouldn't like that part about them, but I love the fact that they knew there's no way they were going to be God. And I love the fact that when it came time that they needed help, they said, we've got a covenant with Joshua. We have a covenant with Jesus Christ. And we need to know where to go for help. I'm, so, I'm sorry, that's kind of good. Isn't it? I, I, that has been so powerful in my life this week. I'm like, you guys getting this? I want to come back. You understand? Uh, this is so good that we hold on to that covenant like that. Now, let me, uh, let me read uh, a few more verses here and then ask one more question. And at the time uh, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over the sons of Israel, and he said to, in the sight of Israel, here's what he said, sun, sand, still Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajion. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for the whole day. And there has been no day like it before or since. And when the Lord heeded the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. By the way, that phrase right there, for the Lord fought for Israel, it's also found at the end of the chapter after it just says the victory. And in fact, it says because the Lord fought for Israel, that, that's, why there, that's why there is victory there. But I want to talk to you just a couple minutes about this miracle of the sun stand, standing still. It is one that has created a great deal of, if you want to say, controversy or criticism of the Bible. Because people will say, come on. Think about it here for a second. We are on this planet, and we are moving at 1,000 miles an hour. We're ro- right now we are. I mean, we're revolving at 1,000. I get the word right, right? Rotating is, yeah, revolving. We're revolving at 1,000 miles an hour. Think about it if suddenly it stopped. <laughs> We'd all be against the wall. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, we're, what's going on there? We already got pushed there. I mean, is this, how in the world did God do this? There have been all types of theories. Well, maybe God just reflect, reflect, reflected light uh, somehow on this one spot, you know, special uh, one spot on the earth. Or, or and, and they go through different studies. It mentioned in here, isn't this written in this book? And they go through different studies of different cultures that have reports of this long day. And they, and they prove all this. And I, and I want to tell you right off, I don't know how God did it, and I don't care. What I mean, and I don't have to know. I don't know what good God did. Uh, I don't know what, how God did this miraculous work. All I know is that he did it. See, there's a verse way back at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, that says this, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Once I believe that, then I know that my God is not bound by his creation and the rules that he put in place. God 
can interrupt them at any time. And God can break the rules of nature uh, in healing in any miracle that he decides to because he's put him in place. You see, when we understand that God is truly holy, that word means separate, and he is separate from his creation. He is outside creation and time. When we understand that he is that one who exists outside of time, I've mentioned this before, but this is very crucial that we remember. Everybody that Trust the science, believes that there has to be something that has always existed because science clearly teaches us that something cannot come from nothing. Okay? So if you're not going to believe in, a, in an eternal God, then maybe you have to believe in eternal matter or, you know, an eternal ball of gas. <laughs> if you have junior hires, I'm sure you do. Uh, but, uh, but whatever, you know, whatever, but you have to believe in, in something that has lasted forever. And my belief in Genesis 1-1 that says, in the beginning, God created is the foundation for everything else. There is nothing impossible to God. He is not limited. So my last question I could sing that for you. Uh, Are you ready for a miracle? Uh, well, but we, if we had a choir with robes and they could go back and forth, I, I, we, we'd break into that right, right now. But I do want you just to remember that indeed we do have a miracle working God. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that if there's anything that I'd like to see more in our church it is the presence of the supernatural. Let me explain what I meant because I didn't do a very good job that day. The greatest miracle and the one that I ask God that we would that we'd be able to see around here the most is that people, individuals, would recognize through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they need a Savior in Jesus Christ and they would trust in Him and that their lives would be transformed and that they'd be given eternal life. And I would encourage you to pray along with me for that, that we would see God in a supernatural way perform that miracle in people's lives. Um, one of our elders, Chris, and I were talking this morning, and there is an attack, we know, on marriages. We know there is attack on families, uh, for sure. And, uh, and we pray that God would supernaturally intervene in hearts and change minds and, and hearts of, of people that are going through difficulty and in some cases are making some horrible choices. But that's the type of thing when I'm saying, are you ready for a miracle? I don't really... Uh, you know, expect the little pile of stuff out in the parking lot to magically go on the roof. By the way, there's been a leak over there this week. You guys might want to keep your eyes open. Uh, but uh, the uh, but uh, we're hiring some Amish people to come in and put that roof on. Uh, what I'm talking about more than anything when I'm talking about miracles is watching God do a supernatural work in people's lives. And what greater miracle is there than that they have somebody that is an enemy with God because of sin, uh, born into the born into sin, but through faith in Jesus Christ, through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ uh, to be made a new creature and made a new creature that will live forever in Jesus Christ. There's nothing better than that. Now, one more verse I want to show you today. We're not going to get through the whole chapter, but verse number 15, I want to go back to that Gilgal word here for a second. And Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. I don't know if you remember, but as we've been going through here, after Israel went through the Red Sea, uh, they stopped at Gilgal. And Gilgal has remained their base camp. They keep coming back to it. At the beginning of the chapter, we saw they were there. And they go up and they battle and they come back to Gilgal. Gilgal has remained their base camp. Gilgal is their place when they gather the stones together to remember. 
Gilgal is the place where they stopped and they circumcised the army consecrated to the Lord. Gilgal is the place where they stop and worship. They say, hey, we need to come back. We need to regroup. We could gather here. Our Gilgal is the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the place that we need to come back to and remember that Jesus Christ died on that cross to pay the price for sin. And that as we put our faith and trust in him, he says, all that believe in me for, that, for forgiveness will have eternal life. So once a month around here, we take some time and remember Gilgal, and we remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We stop and remember the cross. And uh, today is the day that we designated that for that this month. So what we're going to do in a couple minutes here is uh, we are going to, whether you would call it the Lord's Supper or communion, we're going to observe that together. Um, this is very simply, it is not, I, I want to make sure this is clear. This is a cracker that I bought at the store this week. This is not anything magical. Okay, uh, this over here comes out of a bottle that uh, you could find the rest of it. Uh, wait, that's more crackers. Underneath the little uh, thing is, is that. The, what, we do, what we're doing here, though, is we're taking time to remember when we eat the cracker. And this is something Jesus told us to do. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. So on the night before Jesus was crucif- uh, taken to be crucified, uh, he uh, met with his disciples And he broke bread, and he said, this is my body. I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that God became a man. Okay, I want you to remember that. He he took on human flesh. He became a man. I want you to remember that, and that body is going to be broken for you. And they're going to take him, and they're going to crucify him, and I want you to remember it's for you. And then he said, uh, this cup, I'm going to pass out, this cup is my blood that was shed for you. I want you to remember that. I want you to come back to Gilgal. I want you to remember again. One of the things they did at Gilgal is they observed the Passover, which was, again, a remembrance of God's deliverance. I want you to come back, and I want you to remember that my blood was shed for you. The Bible says very plainly, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when it talks about the blood of Jesus being shed, it's saying that he laid down his life for us. He sacrificed his life so that we might live. So when we do this, this is exactly what they're doing. If you are, if you would like to do that, if you say, yeah, I, I believe that. I have my faith in, in the shed blood of Christ and in the broken body of Christ, and you'd like to observe that with us, that's great. What, what you'll do in a few minutes, you'll see folks come up, and they'll get a cracker, and, and they'll get a cup of juice, and they'll go back and maybe pray a little bit and sit in their seats, and then we'll all take th- uh, things together. If you would rather not for any reason whatsoever, if you're uncomfortable and you say, well, I'm not sure what's going on, or I'd rather just watch, or there might be something where you say, you know, there's something in my heart I want to get right before I do that, please don't feel like you have to. Please feel, um, you know, there's no pressure at all. You're welcome just to sit and kind of observe what goes on here. But we're going to take a few minutes here now, and we're going to remember. We're going to remember, okay? We're back at Gilgal now, okay? Here, here we are. We're going to stop. We're going to worship. And we are going to remember that the God of the, the universe, that all-powerful God who spoke the world into existence, who said, sun, stand still, and it stopped. Okay? That God said, I so love this world, I'm going to send my son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. So uh, I'm going to pray, and we'll go ahead and, and uh, start the music, and, and you'll see what I was talking about here. Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you that we can stop now and come back to the cross. Uh, Thank you, God, for reminding us to do this. 
uh, kind of reminding us what this is all about. Um, it's all about you. It's all about your goodness, your love. It's all about the price you paid for sin. And, uh, Lord, may we realize that that price was paid for our sin. And may this time of remembrance be powerfully used by your Spirit in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.